You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. It was about um, about boundaries and about um, things that we were either bringing in or letting go of. And a big piece of that was after we had done that piece of it was what conversations need to happen now. You know, it's a good thing to keep in mind. And, you know, my my first thought when you bring that up is you're setting healthy boundaries for yourself and the way you honor those boundaries is the way other people will honor them. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Productive Flourishing Podcast. In today's jam, Angela joined me, and we're talking about um, personal change. This was actually a request that we got from someone in our audience, and so we decided to go ahead and talk about it because, I mean, most of the work that we do is actually around personal transformation and self-mastery. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's labeled with things like productivity and time management and prioritization and business building and team, but at the core of it, it's actually personal transformation. And, um, you know, this is something that Angela is talking about more and more as she's now, you know, got her shingle up and she's doing, you know, coaching and things like that. So we're definitely in the personal transformation business. And so I'm excited to talk about it. But I think the question is actually focused on our lives, Mm -hmm. our lives when we've figured out that we needed to make a change and what that looks like and so on and so forth. And um, I'm just going to preface it, and Angela knows this, and many people in the community know it, that I'm always actually trying different productivity slash lifestyle experiments. <laughs> and sometimes they're they're caused, though, by, like, this happened in my life, mm-hmm. and I need to try to figure out what to work on. And sometimes it's just optimization. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're recording in the middle of August, and I can say that there were some things that popped up in June around the time that we, we did the burnout um, conversation. Oh, so this is... We were talking earlier before we recorded this. It was like, how many shows have we done? So we've done at least one. Um, mm-hmm. But when I was talking about the difference between being well done and burnout, you know, after that episode, I was like, okay, so let's play that out. Like, what am I going to do now that I, you know, I'm talking about this? So mm-hmm. for me, I'm always sort of experimenting and changing and tweaking and trying out new things. Um, and part of that's, you know, I try it in my life before I share it with other people to see how it actually works, because I don't want to be like, hey, I heard this really cool thing, <laughs> and it totally does not work. But Angela, let's talk um, about, before we get into really something that happened where we realized mm-hmm. we had to make a change, let's talk about your sort of personal change flow since I started with what mine looks like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is embarrassing to admit, but... You know, you teach what you know. Um, I sometimes don't make a change until it feels really painful. So I'll just go ahead and throw that out there, all the dirty laundry (laughs) out on the front lawn. So, yeah, um, for myself, you know, one of the things I think about is um, something can often get painful before I make a decision and stick with it and follow through and make the change um, before it really it really happens. And one of the things 
that I'm thinking as I'm talking about this that is a key part of my change making when something has happened in my life and I needed something to look a little bit different or perhaps a lot different is you're the person that I talk to usually when this is coming up. And so it's kind of funny when I think about it because we, you know, anyone who's who's been in a partnership before, a romantic partnership, knows the importance of um, listening and fixing. Um, <laughs> so um, Charlie and I have had so many conversations over the years about, you know, is this a, I need you to listen? Or is this, I would like for you to listen, and then I would also like for you to help me problem solve. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, um, that was a little tangential there, but it's one of the things that just kind of popped into my head as I was thinking about that. But yeah, definitely part of my process when I realize something needs to change is you're generally the first person I will talk to about it. Yeah, and... It's, it's a tricky thing. And so, as she mentions, we're a two-coach household, <laughs> and we're also a household with a philosopher and a sociology in it, right? And so, yeah. there are a lot of conversations about change and systemic change and structural change and, you know, what's happening in our environment, but we're also really empathic people. Mm-hmm. And so, we have this challenge where we'll take on other people's problems, right? Mm-hmm. And Um, So, a lot of our work is actually, when we're talking to each other, is figuring out, like, is this actually, like, my problem? Or is this something (laughs) I picked up in the atmosphere? Like, is this thing that I saw on the news something that I need to do something about? Like, and so, there are a lot of conversations. You know, you have, as Angela mentioned, this sort of um, romantic aspect of things. And, you know, where we wanted to talk about the jokes about, like, men always trying to fix something and, and women always just wanting to be heard, right? I mean, there's a, there's a, the why that's funny is there's a grain of truth in it, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in the years that, that we've been together, so also in mind, we've been together since 97. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's quite a long time to figure out some of these things. And um, what I find the most challenging, and I'll just throw this out here, is as we're talking to each other about things, and, and I think we have, to, we have to respond to it in different ways, mm-hmm. is, um, for instance, I talk about a lot of different things mm-hmm. um, and different, you know, oh, this would be cool or that would be a cool project. And Angela has learned to be interested but unattached to any of those different types of things, right? Because she knows that I might wake up tomorrow and be like, nope. So I talk about a lot of projects before I commit to them. And earlier on in our relationship, I think it was more of a challenge where I was like, I would talk about something and then she'd be like, oh crap, this is going to be, this is going to be a change happening. I was like, no, 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 I'm just talking it through. Mm -hmm. And, but I was also much more prone to do things Mm -hmm. earlier. I'm I'm much more prudent about the things I take on anymore. (laughs) Right. Um, And so my default is no most of the time now. And, um, and then even when I am talking about it, it's still like, this probably is not a good idea. Like, you know, I was just thinking mm-hmm. about this morning when I was thinking about doing a quarterly project, which is something I've been thinking about doing for years. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and if you don't know what a quarterly is, it's where once a quarter, um, you as a subscriber will get curated things that we pick and they could be books. They could, it could be the teas that we're drinking. It could be some cool things that we found in Portland or on a trip, um, it could be a lot of different things because people come to both Angela and I and ask us, like, what are you into now? Mm-hmm. Right. And I would love to send it. And I've been thinking about this for years. And so I finally got to the point where I was talking about it with the team. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been thinking about this. Let's talk about it. But we're still not committed to doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's still a no 
until it fights its way to become a yes. And so that's one of those things that Angela in our relationship has gotten way better about is just being interested and asking good questions, but understanding that sometimes I'm not talking about like actually doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's something in my head that I need to talk out before I figure out, wait a second, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's kind of like the opposite with you. Like we get it. I think it's challenging for me in touch points because you'll, you'll like say like, I want to do this. I've been thinking about this or um, this might get me in trouble with Angela. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. I think I'm in kicking distance. Be careful. She is in kicking distance. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to reposition here. <laughs> Or have one hand free to cover things. It's a joke. It's um, a joke. But in our relationship, I think it's true that for Angela, I, w- I, will, I will see trends and patterns that Angela is going through before she sees them. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of my gifts is seeing patterns and trends. Mm-hmm. And so my challenge is to figure out at the right time in the right context to bring those up mm-hmm. um, because she has an anti, she has like a rebellious streak in her. And so if I say, this is what's going on for you, right? She'd be like, Oh, oh hell no, that's not what's going on for me. Like, yeah. And so there's a way in which I'm have to be like, Hey, I'm noticing this. Mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed that? Have you been thinking about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's one of those things where it's really not one of her priorities at the time, she'll just be like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something, um, but I think, especially since the reset and everything, I've become really sensitive to things that are going mm-hmm. on with you. So, I think I live two or three weeks in front of Angela with how she's doing with certain chronic things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, that's that's part of it is because I don't want to show up as the fixer. Yeah. Right? But I also don't want to be in that pattern where I'm noticing things that have a cost as, as they go along. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the tricky thing when we when you have, again, two coaches in a household mm-hmm. is because we can spot trends, we know how to help people, but the fundamental thing about that is if someone is not ready to make a change mm-hmm. and they at some level don't want the support, mm-hmm. it is one of the most counterproductive things that you can do is to actually try to get someone to change when they're not ready for that. Yeah, yeah. And it is. I mean, I'm glad that you bring that up because... We might talk about our patterns today and what we've noticed in ourselves and each other when it's time for a change or a shift to happen. Um, And the caveat there is that we have two decades together. And, you know, I, you know, I was just thinking about, man, if I took a couple of steps back and I was listening to you right now and what you're saying, like, I might be like, man, that guy's got a lot of nerve. What is that? And we have two decades of experience and you have been present to, um, you know, when I almost passed away and the, the mental health and spiritual health um, issues and complications that came after that. And so there are things that it's really good for you to be attuned into and maybe more sensitive to than other people might be um, at times. So anyway, I just I kind of wanted to throw that out there. But, um, you know, what I was thinking about as you started to introduce this topic and you were, um, you know, talking a little bit about it, one of the things that um, 
that I was remembering from May, I think it was May and June, both. I think it started in May early, actually, is you were starting to have a lot of pain that was coming back up for you. Um, you know, we have the car accident that we're in. Was it, has it been like five years ago now? A long time. Yeah, it's a while back. And, um, you know, Charlie and I both had quite a bit of pain for a while after that. And unfortunately, what comes with car accidents is um, your body is usually never quite the same afterwards. And so what was coming up for you, um, you know, in March, April, May, with all of the extra hours of work that you're putting in, is you were starting to feel more and more pain. And so um, I'm curious if you want to talk about like what what was it that you were noticing and what was it that you did to make a change? Okay, so part of the slide on here, and I, I remember to think about that is, um, I remember when I was talking last time, but I didn't say this, is um, I'm also like deeply um, present and aware of root causes for things. Um, and so that's partially why I can be two or three weeks ahead for, say, Angeles, because I can see root causes happen mm -hmm. way faster. Now, and that's always the thing is it's hard to read the label when you're stuck inside the jar. Yeah. And so when it's your own stuff, it's it can be a lot harder to see those root causes because you're not paying attention in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and so the reason that's important for your question is like when I start getting in pain, mm -hmm. I'm always like, OK, um, I can do some things to prevent or to sort of make myself feel better after I already have the pain. Mm -hmm. But what's causing the pain? Like, yeah. where, what are the scenarios upon which, like, I feel pain? Mm -hmm. And which are the ones in which I don't, right? And so it's, especially since the car accident, one of the biggest predictor of my levels of pain is how much work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so I can talk about it now to the degree that I could not earlier, but like when we were first in the car accident, I couldn't sit or stand for longer than 20 minutes. Without pain. Yeah. And so um, I became keenly aware of how sitting and standing and not moving and how looking at screens really affected my pain. And so a mm -hmm. lot of my pains are actually in my shoulder and neck, right? Which is also a place where um, for someone with my way of showing up in the world, we carry a lot of pressure, right? We mm -hmm. carry a lot of things like that. And so that's also the place where it'll show up. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just really started deconstructing. Um, what things cause pain. And just as a quick aside, one of the things that caused pain was I had a computer screen that was too big. Mm -hmm. um, and I was moving my neck too much and things like that. So I actually had to get a smaller computer screen mm -hmm. that worked a lot better for me. And, and that's one of those things. But so it reached that level earlier this summer to where there was pain and fatigue. And um, I was like, okay, um, my mind might be into things and my heart might be into things, um, but um, the body is telling me something mm -hmm. and I need to do something different. Um, and so that's about the time where we started um, walking every day. And so we went, I think that was May, basically, mm -hmm. um, where we walked for 30 minutes or more every day together. And, I've, you know, I've written about that um, on both PF and Medium. And so we'll link up in the show notes. Um, if you want to Google it, I think it's... Um, how do you make healthy habits stick, I think is the name of the post. Mm -hmm. um, and so I talked a bit more about that. And sure enough, um, well, let me put it this way. Another thing that causes pain and fatigue for me is not moving enough. Yeah. Now, the reason I want to say that um, 
I want to mention two different things. One is that walking every day in that way created a boundary mm-hmm. that kept me from working as much. Mm-hmm. And so I was not experiencing the occupational pain mm-hmm. at the same time that I was um, moving so moving so much that I wasn't experiencing sort of the pain that happens from, you know, not moving enough. Mm-hmm. So that's what happened there. I mean, and to go back to your previous point where like we don't change until things are really painful. I think that's true for so many of us, mm-hmm. right? Where we don't change until the cost of um, change is less than the cost of what we're currently doing. Mm-hmm. And that's true pretty much around the board. We do not change until the cost of change is less than the cost of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's where, that's where it looks, looks at that. Now, Here's the thing. Um, there's this concept in philosophy of mind, but I think it's gone into um, positive psychology that's called acrasia, um, mm-hmm. which acrasia is the um, thing that we do such that we make future pains less intense then we make current pains or we, we, we punt pains into the future because there's some future self out there that we don't quite feel the pain of at the same time um, that we delay gratification. So it's the same sort of things that happen. And I didn't explain that very well, but we assume that this particular thing that I don't want to do now or this thing that's uncomfortable now mm-hmm. at some point in the future will not be as uncomfortable and will mm-hmm. not be as painful. Yeah. Right. And it's only until like we get, the doctor's news that, you know, we're at risk for a heart attack and there's something major mm-hmm. that we make changes. And I think the reason I want to pull up a crazy is when it comes to personal change, like a lot of times think, a lot of times people think in big strokes, like I got to do this massive new diet. Yeah. I've got to like move to this new place. I got to get out of this relationship, so on and so forth. And they miss the opportunity for a Kaizen approach to personal change. Kaizen is just, you know, incremental small changes over time that add up to a big effect. Mm-hmm. And I think personal change exists, you know, sort of on different spectra. Mm-hmm. And there is very much a um, disruptive thing. You got to make a big change yeah. because everything like is in a stasis. And that's true for some scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other sort of incremental gains. Now, I've written a post about this. It's called um, The Two Dynamics of Change. And it talks about stepping or tipping, mm-hmm. right? And stepping is just the one step at a time, one incremental improvement versus tipping, which is kind of like the tipping point um, from Malcolm Gladwell's book where there's a big sea change that happens, right? Mm-hmm. And so as people with careers and relationships and work and chores and all the things that happen, we're continually in different spaces when it comes to personal change Mm -hmm. and there might be an aspect of our life to where we're definitely in a stepping phase right and there might be simultaneously another another aspect of our lives where we need to tip Mm -hmm. and that's the trick right is knowing which which you are so um what i'll say largely speaking is um to roll back to your original question i know i seem like i've gone all over the place but it's it's still on thread Mm -hmm. um it was really pain that motivated Mm-hmm. Pain was the primary motivator for for me to start, you know, sort of the, um, we had an, oh, the 30-30. Mm-hmm. So, um, 30, minutes or, or 30 minutes or more for 30 days. That was the primary motivation. But I tacked onto that mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. About two weeks into it, I tacked onto, two, maybe three weeks into it, I tacked on a writing practice. Mm-hmm. 
um, there was a personal change as well because I'd gotten so far out of the groove with writing consistently that I was rusty. Mm-hmm. And being rusty can be very, very frustrating mm-hmm. because you know you have the capabilities, you have the need, you have the desire, but you're just rusty. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had to do some different things to really regenerate that sort of personal change and get it going. And that change has been the result of so much of the stuff that people have been reading over the last two months is I wrote those all in like a two, three week period. Mm -hmm. And now we have a very good writing flow around that. Um, So I want to take it one step further, actually, if Mm -hmm. I can. So, you know, this the question I asked, you know, I kind of I kind of already know the answer to part of it. But you notice you were noticing this pain, this actual physical pain. Mm -hmm. And the kind of the first thing you did was we started to incorporate, we did this together. We started to incorporate more movement, which was incredibly helpful. And you started to notice less pain. You mentioned that you then tacked on this writing practice as well. I'm curious if you can also maybe talk a little bit about the other changes that came along as well around the same time or a little bit after Mm -hmm. and who all it might have impacted and related to. The second one's harder. Um because um, I think so, you're talking the, about my new schedule, right? Yeah, the re- and the reason why I bring that up is because you know we're talking today about we had somebody ask us about um, and asked us to discuss um, points in our life where we saw a change was needed and kind of what happened there. And so I'm just curious about you know about taking that a step further and being able to talk about what other changes came from that and. Like, when we make changes, they can impact a whole lot of people. And it's not always good, but we have seen that there is a lot of good that's come from this as well. So I'm just curious if you could talk a little more about that. Yeah, it's going to be super hard to do this without diving into the five keys. So then um, you talk about the five keys. But I I will (laughs) hold that. So one of the five keys is awareness, right? Um, And so as I started doing more and more... um, just being clear about what was going on for me and pain and things like that, I became more aware of some other changes that I could make that would support me continuing to do that. Because the thing about it is, um, what's the most succinct way I can say this? Some of the changes I've made since June, I don't want to go back from. Like, I don't want to go back to working. And so, greater context for people who may not be readers of the blog. So, for the last two years, because of a slew of different projects, I've been working, you know, on average, something like 12 to 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Now, we have in our conversation, in our history, um, we have what's called an in-house deployment. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to sort of our military days. And But an in-house deployment is just our way of saying, I'm going through this particular project or this particular season, and it's going to be pretty intense, and I may not be as present as I would normally be. And it's going to take more time, so on and so forth. But in this particular scenario, I was on um, an in-house deployment for too long, mm-hmm. right? And that became the norm. Yeah. Um, and so, um, making a long story very short, we started walking, I started writing, and then after that, around that time, I was like, you know, I'm also going to work a lot less as a habit, as, mm-hmm. a, as a practice. I got to build... 
I got to build our, my way back out of this mm-hmm. and be very intentional about it. Now, in this case, it was one of those tipping scenarios to where I had to make some pretty significant changes because you don't go from 12 to 14 hours to eight hours just by stealing time, just by cutting off a few things here and there. You have to make some serious changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the current experiment that I'm on and only created people and um, well, some people might get it, other people might not. But um, the current sort of thing, the, the rule of the game is I work no more than eight hours per day. Mm-hmm. Now we're still trying to figure out what counts as work. Um, but we do know that writing um, and sort of the creative work that I used to get a free pass now counts as work. Mm-hmm. Some in nonprofit service, maybe, maybe not, but um, that's, that's what we're figuring out. Now, um, which means I have to do the same amount or we have to achieve the same amount of results because the expectations, excuse me, the requirements of making revenue and, and getting things done, those didn't change overnight. Mm-hmm. So that means I have to figure out how I'm still going to meet those requirements in 75% of the time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the downstream effect of making this change has been, I think, better um, team morale and better sort of productivity and boundaries from the team. Mm-hmm. Because um, one thing you got to know about me is I'm actually really good at designing delegation workflows and systems and things like that. And so um, I can figure out the kernel of what my job is and just do that kernel. Well, that means for every hour that I do something, there may be another hour or three hour to three hours of which the team has to do something. Mm-hmm. Right. So I might write for 30 minutes, but between the editing and between the all the stuff that goes with making it happen, that 30 minutes of writing might turn into another two hours from the team mm-hmm. or more. And so as I pulled my hours down, I also pulled down the hours of the team. And I was talking to Joe recently. Um, hopefully she won't mind me saying this, but she's like, Charlie, like I can finally taste what it's like to be on top of all my work. I've never had that while working here. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think Shannon might be the same way, although some things shifted to Shannon so that it might not work. And Jess is kind of of in the same place. And I think actually, Angela, like some, uh, a a portion of that work got shifted to you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think the things that I do that generate work for you, like it's been helpful for you on that front too. Right. Um, But it's hard to tell because you've also started coaching more and you started writing more. So it's, Mm-hmm. You're in a different thing. But I, I can say for Shannon, Jess, and Joe, um, it's made their workload a lot more manageable. Mm-hmm. And they are finally able to get to some of those quadrant two important but not urgent projects because it's not every day. Um, you know, they wake up and I've piled on another three or four hours on top of everything else that they already had going on. Mm-hmm. So that's been a good downstream thing. And it's one of those things to where whenever I do experiments or changes like this, um, I always start them with the assumption that they might not work mm-hmm. and it may not be viable. And I may break some things that I'm not aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one where I really think that what's been fixed has been greater than what may have been broken. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're still early. In other words, I don't want to go back. Yeah. Right. I do not want to go back to, to where that was. I like my energy more. Um, I like, 
Um, I like the boundary of being done at 5 p.m. and shutting the computer off and just like whatever I get done that day, that's what I get done. Mm -hmm. And there's no, I'll sneak it in, so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, good downstream effects there. Um, And it's made me really aware of um, places to steal time from Mm -hmm. and activities that... um, had a way of inserting themselves into my day and my process that um, just didn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, So those are all good things. Now, so much of this has been focusing on my personal change, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And thank you for talking about that. That I just, the reason why I brought that up is because oftentimes when we think about change and, and it's, it's the best place to start, I believe is, Personally, mm-hmm. like my personal change, what do I need to do? What changes do I need to make happen? And we also were relational creatures, right? And so it is important to think about how it might impact other people as well. So. Well, I'm still, what I am un- unclear about is the degree to which some of the things that I'm doing, and some of this is around digital communication, email management, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I'm still nervous and slash uncomfortable slash a little anxious mm-hmm. about how those um, new practices may be corroding or corrupting or harming relationships that I have with people. Mm. Um, because, you know, even good friends, if they email me um, today mm-hmm. um, or ask me to do something today, um, it might be two, three, four days before mm-hmm. I can respond or I can commit to doing it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's challenging, right? That's challenging. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this earlier, and I may end up writing about it, but um, in our lives, we've become more budget-guided, mm-hmm. not budget-constrained. And that's a huge mindset, mindset shift there. But the reason I say that is when we add in time mm-hmm. as part of the things that we're budgeting. Now, I mean money as well. Like, there's a decision that Angela knows that I'm, that I'm thinking about, like, hmm. I want to make a budget before that. I budget for that before I make a decision on it. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the point where it's like, I just um, either do not have the time, or I'm choosing to hold my bounders there mm-hmm. um, for new things coming in. It, it it's helpful to be guided in that way to be guided by that constraint. Mm-hmm. And I also recognize how different it is for people. Um, and so, you know, there may be some people who I need to have a conversation with about um, mm-hmm. about that because of their expectation for our friendship is that I respond in certain ways and that I do in certain ways. Like, I may not be able to maintain that without dropping other things. Mm-hmm. And when that other thing right now is, is related to my health. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a hard conversation. It is a hard conversation. And it's, you know, I'm really glad you brought that point of it up because it it made me think about there. Uh, there's this exercise that I used to do with groups um, when I would facilitate groups. And um, it was about, um, about boundaries and about um, things that we were either bringing in or letting go of. And a big piece of that was after we had done that piece of it was what conversations need to happen now. 
Um, yeah. And so I just, I, I appreciate that you brought that up and it's, um, you know, it's a good thing to keep in mind. And, you know, my, my first thought when you bring that up is you're setting healthy boundaries for yourself and the way you honor those boundaries is the way other people will honor them. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's, Part of it is being blessed with so many great opportunities and so many great people and so many different things that we might get into. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, we truly are blessed in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, but I, or and, I don't want to say but, and uh, I want to be at the position to where when I say that I can do something or that I will do something, that I'll do it on time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there had gotten, especially in quarter two, Mm-hmm. Right, quarter one and quarter two of this year, there were enough times in which I said I'd do something that I didn't do it, mm-hmm. and that bugs the crap out of me. Yeah, and I don't like living like that. Yeah, and so that was a, you know another one of those types of things is that I would rather tell someone, no, I can't do that, or yes, I can do this, but it would be a couple of weeks from now, and really make the space for it and carve out the time and be really present for that time. Mm-hmm. Um, then to say, like, sure, I'll do that, um, and then be compromising other things. Yeah. Right? And so, um, and that's just one of those things. It's just, how do you want to show up? And um, I want to show up such that if I say I'm going to meet you somewhere at 10, mm-hmm. I'll be there at 10. Yeah. You know, I might be, it's Portland, so I might be, you know, five minutes late because of bus and traffic and things like that. But, you know, um, I want to be there. And if I say I can do that, I want to do it. And, um, you know, as I'm starting relationships, I want to start it out with the right energy mm-hmm. um, in sort of a slow build up into more intensity mm-hmm. um, that, that can be sustained rather than like being super, super excited mm-hmm. um, at the beginning in the first two weeks and then disappearing into a black hole because life yeah. has has reared its ugly head. So. It's really a matter of an intention. And I know we've been jumping around some of the five keys. All right. So here we go. Um, you guys get a prelude. You get a preview of what's going to be coming in the, in the next book that I'm writing. So intention, awareness, boundary, cur- boundaries, courage, and discipline. Those are the five keys. And so you've heard us talk about intention and awareness and boundaries thus far on the call or on this, on this particular podcast. So, um, Yes, and I will I will share much more about that as we go along. But that's really where, where things are coming from, is when you honor those boundaries, um, it's challenging at first. It takes a lot of courage and discipline at first. Um, and it creates changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to think about, like, all things considered, is this a better way of showing up that's more nourishing for me and the people in which I'm relationship, I'm you know the people I'm in relationships with, rather than just saying yes and feeling guilty or overwhelmed or overcommitted or always, always, always feeling like you're behind, because mm-hmm. that's the result of poor boundaries. Always feeling like you're behind. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna roll back because I mean, what I want to say is so much of that affects my work. Um, and being a small business owner, like you change parts of your life, you change parts of your work, you change parts of your work, you change parts of your life, and they're so interwoven. Mm-hmm. But I want to actually roll back to February. Mm-hmm. 
Because in February, Angela, you decided that you wanted to make a big change. And that was around the diet. Oh, okay. She's like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. I was like, what? What change did I make in February? Too many changes. Not too many changes. Lots of changes this year. So that look was actually the look of what change is he referring to? <laughs> now, I will be 100% honest. Like, I did not talk to Angela about this beforehand. And nope. um, so I do not know whether she wants to talk about this particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um but here we go. Um, here we go. And so, um, so that I don't dig myself into an even digger, even bigger ditch, um, Angela, you want to set that up? Sure. Why not? <laughs> we'll talk later about this. Oh man. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, um, I think, you know, I actually. Um, There's a part of me that had this, oh, shit moment when you brought that up where I was like, oh, man, are we really going to talk about this? This is so uncomfortable. And then there's the other part of me that's like, yep, we are, because I I think diet and weight are two diet, weight, health, those kinds of things are all interrelated and They're so taboo to talk about on a, like, a personal, like, one-on-one or just one person talking about it level, but it's something we talk and hear about all the time, right? And so I'm, like, when you brought that up, my first feeling was, like, wow, I'm really ashamed. I know this is not what you meant. I know you did not mean for that to come up, but I'm just sharing, Um, And the reason why I'm sharing that is because um, I'm what some people or most people probably don't know is one of my um, growing and stretching points this year has been around discussing things that are not always comfortable. Um, And so on that note, we shall continue with talking about the diet that I undertook in February. <laughs> and turnabout is fair play because you're forever being like, hey, Charlie, here, let's talk about this thing. I know. Totally. So here totally. we go. Yeah. So anyway, all that all that caveat said, um, you know, just to share what my initial, initial hesitation was there. Yeah. So um, a little bit of backstory on what had happened. Um, I, there have been two points in my life where I have become uncomfortable with my weight. Generally, I have been um, a fairly thin person um, throughout much of my life. Um, But again, two points, grad school, (laughs) which do I really even need to go into that? Um, And then in you know, the last, I would say, two to three years um, where I had put on quite a bit of weight. Um, Not going to go into all, you know, all the details. That's, you know, four podcasts and two other days of conversations, um, you know, about health and hormones and eating and all that stuff. But anyway, um, came to a point in February where I had realized a couple of things. And again, it was one of those situations that you talked about earlier. It's like a year before I could have made like a couple of small steps and made some changes and they would have, you know, would have helped. And so essentially what happened in in February is I had been thinking about playing around with the idea of getting back to a healthier diet, which – 
I'm always, as long as I'm eating well, my weight is fine. It's as soon as I, I start to eat sweets at night <laughs> or, um, you know, things like that, that, um, that it, it goes awry for me. And so I had, you know, for months and months talked about like, oh, I'm going to make this change or this change. And finally in February, um, I made a pretty dramatic change. And um, I did this specific diet for a short period of time, which kind of helped to, to change my metabolism. Again, no need to go into details there. But it was um, it was a choice that I made. And um, it was primarily going to impact me. However, we live in a household together. And if I was going to be eating restricted calories um, and certain foods, it was going to have an impact on you as well. Um, I will also say that the first few days of the diet made me pretty grumpy. And so that was another thing that, you know, somebody I lived with needed to know this was coming up. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, the choice that, that came up in February had been one that I had gone back and forth about for a while, finally made the commitment to myself and it was a commitment, um, to the diet, but it was more about kind of a reset to my system and the way of, um, what, what my system likes and what it can tolerate in the way of food. Um, many people may not know this. I have um, several different autoimmune diseases. And regardless of that, like it, you are what you eat, right? And food is important. It's our fuel. It's our livelihood. It's what gets us by. And I had, um, I never had a terrible diet. I definitely can't say that. But I did eat, I did eat more sugar than I needed to. Um, and so it was just a conscious, it was a conscious decision. It was not an easy decision, um, but something needed to shift and change. My body was getting more painful and achy. Um, and so the weight was a piece of it, but more than that, it was, how does my body feel? And my body didn't feel good. It, it felt achy. So. Well, and there's also, um, I'm really going to get in trouble here, but that's okay. Um, there's also the the self esteem that you had around, like you did not like the way that you looked. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and that that got to a point where it bothered you. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm reporting this. So here's what's tricky. We mentioned two coach household. How you think? Like the fact that we're in a romantic relationship also makes this super challenging because mm -hmm. um, it. It's not a conversation you want to have with your partner, right? Especially, you know, given our our society, you know, a male saying to his female partner that, you know, you're a little heavier than, you know, or anything around. And anything. you never said that. I never said that. Just to be clear, I never said anything. Yeah, I don't um, want you getting hate mail. <laughs> no, I, I, no, please don't send me hate mail about that. And But, but what I would say, though, is I never said that. Mm -hmm. um, it's not what I believe. That's not my sort of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um but what became challenging for me throughout this process was how to give encouragement, mm -hmm. right, that was actually mirroring what you wanted, mm -hmm. but that also contained sort of that um, sort of male chauvinist sort of like, you know, thing thing that can happen when it comes around weight. I mean, this is a really awkward conversation, right? Yeah, it is. Um, 
even even sort of saying how we go about this, but like you know, she wanted to, um, you know, fit into certain clothes. She wanted to look cute. She's got a few cute shirts and pants and things like that that she wanted to wear. And I personally think she's really hella cute in those things too, right? And so it's how does one have that conversation to encourage someone mm-hmm. to keep doing what they most want to do without carrying in that, you know, that sort of thing on that side. But And there's mm-hmm. also a history here. Again, 20 years together. I've been with Angela to where she overdid the focus on her, her size and weight, where she was really too skinny, mm-hmm. right, in a lot of different ways. And so not, not to the bulimic side of things, but just she, you know, health, health-wise – she needed another five or seven pounds, right, mm-hmm. at, at a point um, to look healthy. Yeah. And so that was also a weird conversation point, too, where I'm like, I know you want to be this weight, but it's not it's it's not the right weight for you. Mm-hmm. And so you can tell in, in sort of my if you can see my hands wave, I'm like, this is this was a really challenging thing to encourage Angela to stay on part of because the, the particular diet that you were on, I'm sure we're going to get questions about it, right? So, can you give them at least a, a term to Google? Um, yeah, the HCG diet. Okay, so the HCG diet. Now, I will tell you, like when I started, um, this isn't this is the embarrassment part, so I'll jump on the embarrassment table. Okay. Um, because this was such a big change, and because I wanted to support Angela with it, like I knew. That if we, I knew that the best chances Angela had to be able to see this through was if I did it with her, mm-hmm. right? And so I actually started this diet with her. Um, this diet sucks, y'all. It, <laughs> it sucks bad, um, and it's super restrictive. You don't eat a lot of calories. Um, it sort of jolts your body, your metabolism, and it seems kooky as hell. At the same time that Angela lost quite a bit of weight, are you comfortable sharing how much you lost? Yeah, I lost 28 pounds. All right, so she lost 28 pounds. Um, and um, with her frame, that that's a significant portion of of her body weight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so kooky, but works, right? It really, really did work. I started it, but that's about the time that we got the notice about dad. Um, and I needed to go back to Arkansas. And Arkansas is not one of these places where this diet is viable <laughs> without some, like, that wasn't the mission at the time. The mission was to take care of dad. And so I actually had to jump off the diet. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I'd gotten back home, she was at a different stage in the diet and I couldn't really get back on it with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to do some modifications. Um, but because I had experience with the diet and because. Again, two-coach household, we know how to encourage and support each other. Mm-hmm. There were plenty of times where I was like, like, Angela, like, this is super, super hard right now. We knew it was going to be hard right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want you to take care of yourself and self, be compassionate that this sucks. Mm-hmm. But you can stay on it. You can totally do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be worth it. Yeah. So it sucks right now. Um, I know you don't want to do an apple day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or I know that you're really craving this thing. Um, but hold on because you're losing weight and you're losing it quickly mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to keep it off. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that was a, a lot of the motivation that had to happen with that. Right. And it was, it was super challenging. Right. Um, yeah. Because again, this whole awkward conversation around weight and body image and things like that. And so it was just holding space for what Angela said she wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, um, 
what she wanted, I might be the happy beneficiary of a part of part of that, right? Because she's happier. Um, she's, you know, feeling cuter. She's more confident. She's all those things that go on, right? Um, but really, it was about her and what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm looking, I'm saying in the third person, I'm looking at her dead in the eyes right now. But So, the reason I want to bring that up is because I think when you're in relationships with people, mm-hmm. some of these things that matter the most mm-hmm. are actually the most awkward to talk about. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's awkward to talk about weight. I've got a buddy that um, I had to have a conversation with earlier this year because, again, I'm more money budget driven or money budget guided. And there was something that I got invited to that we could have done, mm-hmm. but we didn't budget for it. Mm-hmm. And so I had to have that awkward conversation of like, I'd love to do that. But I didn't budget for it, and so I can't do it at this time, mm-hmm. which brings up all my sort of, you know, shit from coming up with a kid or coming up as a poor kid and not being able to do everything that everybody else was able to do. But I was just at a certain point where I was like, you know, this is the change I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. This doesn't fit my budget. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me, but I'm going to have to I'm going to have to opt out. That's a really awkward conversation. I don't know if that's awkward for you as a listener, but for me, <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have the friendship with, with him such that he was super cool about it and he appreciated that. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. um, keep in mind that the things you need to change, that the things that are going to be the most transformative to you mm-hmm. will have these relational changes that happen with it. So if you want to yeah. quit smoking mm-hmm. and all of your friends are smokers, that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's really, really hard because you can't do the things with them mm-hmm. that you used to be able to do. There's no you know, chatting and then going outside to smoke and things like that. Or you can't even go to their house because it's in there. And so I just wanted to hold space for that Mm -hmm. and just, you know, not make it sound like some of these changes are flippantly easy. Yeah. They're not. They're really, really not. Um, Yeah. And I don't want people to let themselves be the victim Mm -hmm. of those types of things. And I know that that's a very hard sort of thing, but we've seen this in so many people where like, I would do that, but I would have to do X. Mm -hmm. Like, I would lose weight, but I'd have to put my family on a diet. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not because I'm not going to put my family on a diet. Okay, that's a choice, Mm -hmm. right? You chose one priority over the other. Mm -hmm. And that's cool, right? I'm not judging that choice. But don't be, like, resentful of that fact Mm -hmm. and hold that against people. Or don't be, you know, because that's, I think, the other bill that comes due. Mm-hmm. For not really um, backing up your intentions with action, mm-hmm. is that you start to resent other people. Yeah. Right? You start Absolutely. to resent other people because you're not doing what you know is right for you. Mm-hmm. And the easy and the easy and obvious thing to do is to blame other people for that. Mm-hmm. Now, caveat, um, we are not... I'm not going to say, you know, that we can just will ourselves out of all situations. And some of us, based upon what's happened in our life, will have a harder struggle for personal change than other people, mm-hmm. right? And so I want to want to hold space for that and say, you know, that's true too, right? If you grew up poor and a minority in certain places in, in the U.S., like you, you're going to have a harder time mm-hmm. working through that yeah. than other people. But at the same time, um, if you grew up rich and with your family legacy on top of you 
and you've got to do a certain thing and you've got to be a certain way, that can be really, really challenging too because you don't have the freedom to change, mm-hmm. right? Um, whereas one may not have as many opportunities to change, you may not have the freedom. And I've seen, you know, the total end of the spectrum on all sorts of things when it comes to this. So I want to put that out there that not everyone's journey is going to be the same when it comes to the difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's more of... Are you on the road that's right for you, no Mm -hmm. matter how slow or fast you can walk it, Mm -hmm. versus hoping for change, wishing for change, seeing that something needs to happen and not doing it? Yeah. 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 I appreciate you sharing that. And um, strange as it sounds, I appreciate you asking the uncomfortable and hard question, right? Um, I do feel like I need to say, like, there's there's a part of me that's been like, little voice chattering in my head, like feels like I have to say this, that diet is not recommended for most people. <laughs> yeah, I just want to like, I realize that we're not endorsing a diet or anything like that, but I will say that there are lots and lots of health professionals that would tell you never, ever, ever do that diet. So just saying. And here's where I'll say somewhat of the legal mama jumbo. Um, our discussion of the diet does not uh, mean that it's an endorsement or recommendation. <laughs> Please consult your doctor um, about, to see whether right. that diet is right for you. Yeah. Okay. So there we go. We are <laughs> there covered. There you go. We're covered. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, avoiding a lawsuit. One podcast at a time. <laughs> are we editing this part out? Or are we keeping it? You know the answer to that. Okay. I know. Okay. Everybody, like... Yeah, people just get to hear. I, sometimes I wonder, like, have we shared too much? Oh, well, maybe so. I figure if we shared too much and they didn't like where it go, they could always listen somewhere else. That's true. And that's the beauty of podcasting is that, um, and just the world of technology right now is you don't have to tune in to things that you don't want, do, yeah. you don't like. There's plenty of other things that you may like. And so... Um, if you've liked the conversation thus far, we appreciate you listening through it. Um, you know, this is a challenging question. I kind of started it with it because we're always, because we have that sort of Kaizen approach about something, mm-hmm. about things, we're always changing things. And so we can go back to last December and Angela would either be working on herself or I would be working on myself. And that's just how we roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maybe at some point in our life, there will be a point in which we won't be looking at like, hey, where are we? Like, what changes do we want to make? So on and so forth. But that's just not where we are in our sort of mid-30s. Um, and so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> sort of mid-30s. Sort of mid-30s. You just need to embrace the late 30s. Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm closer to um, 40 at this point. Okay. Um, just embrace it. Just embrace it. So, okay. But I'm still in the sort of mid-30s. Okay. All right. So... Here's the thing. Um, Depending upon what you're going through, getting through it may take all of your energy. Mm -hmm. And that's great, right? Be where you are with that. You know, if you've got um, sick parents or sick kids or pets or you're just, you know, really struggling with the current environment um, or you're in a challenging relationship right now, or your work is, you know, your work and career is not where you want it to be. And just getting through the day mm-hmm. is, um, is taking a lot of energy. First, start from there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I would invite you to think about, though, is what are the 
incremental steps that you might take? Like what's one small thing that you can say, you know what, if I did that, it would make my life a lot easier. For instance, if it stresses you out every morning that you can never find your keys and wallet, like maybe make a designated spot, put your keys and wallet there all the time. That's a personal change at the level that, of which we're talking. Mm-hmm. And that act may save you 10 to 15 minutes of frustration and worry and anxiety, right? And you get that, you lock that in, and then maybe it's preparing your lunch the night before so that you don't have to stress and do it in the morning, Mm -hmm. right? You can build in incremental ways. And, you know, you spend a month, a year doing something small like that. And let's just say it's 15 minutes of changes that you make throughout or something you do that, that, pays you back 15 minutes of really good present nourishing flourishing time mm-hmm. over the course of a year that's two hours right which that's a good eighth of your day that you've reclaimed mm-hmm. for yourself right and so yes think about those incremental things um and and be intentional about them work on them and know that they add up and also Take a look at other aspects of your life and say, is it time to make a more disruptive change Mm -hmm. Um, and have the courage and sort of discipline to start building your way into some new and better arrangement that, um, you know, supports you and those around you. So that's the challenge that I want to challenge slash invitation that I want to do. I know when we talk about personal change, it's either really broad sweeps Mm -hmm. or it's small things or your people wonder how to get started. Start small because it adds up. Yeah. It really, really does add up. Um, and if there's something structural, systemic, environmental that's keeping you from like being and going where you um, believe you can go, then at a certain point you've got to address that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. What would I like to say to end this? Um. Be gentle. Yeah. Be gentle. Be kind with yourself and make a um, a purposeful decision about what it is that you're wanting to change. All righty. So thanks for listening. Hope this has been useful for you. And until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.